Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. So welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 157 and I am joined by Donna Murray. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks Chris. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's been a hectic week, but we're here recording on a Monday. The sun is shining, kind of. It's a little overcast. (laughs) But with that being said, what is a routine like for you? Like, How does your day start off? Ah, well, that's a great question. Um, And you know, you're going to really like my answer, given how committed to fitness you are. Um, My day has always started out with a trip to the gym. Uh, But of course, during these uh, challenging times, that has altered a little bit to my home gym and then um, a good walk. Now, I'm very fortunate. I live in the lower mainland in BC, so I'm on the beach. Um, So I can go for, you know, 5 to 10K, depending on the time, every day. Um, so that's what I do in the morning to start out with, and I do my best thinking. Um, come home, do some do some uh, resistance training, and then uh, get my day started. Love it. So yeah. my audience is going to be pretty new to you. So sure. I, I want to get them an idea of like who you are. If you were at a party, how would you introduce yourself? What are the things <laughs> about you that you're the most proud of? Oh, my goodness. That's a loaded question. I don't like to be the center of attention at any party. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, you know, when I introduce myself, typically people ask what you do. So, uh, you know, I'm an HR consultant. I have my own company. It's called The Coast HR. Um, But I've spent uh, most of my career in uh, retail and operations and and human resources, uh, doing recruitment as well as HR generalist, employee relations, those kinds of things. Um, So, yeah, I guess as for myself, I've last seven years uh, self-employed. Um, with some very interesting contracts along the way, but typically I work with clients who are committed to a healthy work-life balance, and um, typically they align with my own personal values and goals. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I like the talk about values and goals because I think that's like when people can identify like what their values and goals are when they're like looking for their next career or when they're finding like uh, just even trainers finding clients and stuff, and it's like, if the if the trainer's core values match the client's core values, then it makes for a very like uh, just good good uh, communication situation. Um, if you were to break down your core values, what mm-hmm. would they be? Um, oh, well, I think uh, being adaptable, um, being somebody who uh, has integrity in that I do what I say I'm going to do. Um, I genuinely care about people and where they want to go. Um, So I'd say kindness uh, is part of that. that, Does that answer your question? Those are probably the top three for me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I like that you brought up kindness because I'll give the audience a bit of a backstory into how we cross paths. So like almost a decade ago, I worked for Sportcheck. Yeah, it's crazy how time flies. Oh my gosh. 
I got, I went bald. <laughs> no, that's on purpose. Come on. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's just like one of my one of my first like full time jobs was SportCheck, and you were a big part of me working for SportCheck, and it was just super cool. It was at like a recruiting event in Wetaskiwin, at I think it was the Best Western Hotel, and I just remember like that kind of like stood out to me, and. Then when I transferred to an Edmonton store, you kept in contact and then we've managed to stay connected ever since. And it was just, for me, it was like, okay, we have some like common core values. There's things that we are passionate about that go beyond like which company we work for or what we're doing. And I thought that that was super cool. And then as I uh, started to interview other like people who were doing HR, I was like, well, I know an HR person. She's awesome. So... (laughs) That's what brings you onto the show. Um, Thank you. And I've always kind of wondered, like, what was it that started your career off? What was, like, that light bulb moment that was, like, okay, HR is the thing for me. Was there other jobs you did before you got into that? Or how how did that process go? Ah, that's a great question. Um, So I started out my my retail career in my very early teens uh, working for a windsurfing shop. Um, doing all the grunt work that no one ever wants to do, like cleaning boards, uh, telling people to come in when their time is up and they've rented equipment, uh, all the things no one wants to do. Um, But I loved dealing with people always all along the way. Um, And then, you know, as I got a little bit older, you know, I worked for other retailers, other sporting retailers, uh, became a manager, um, various, you know, skier surf shops. um, And I loved building teams of people. And I loved the aspect of hiring and training and ensuring that people really loved what they did. Um, so as a store manager or department manager, depending on where I was in my career, um, you know, I had some accountability to do that in my job, but I also had, um, I, I had a really unique opportunity to really find the right people and build those teams. That's something I was recognized for. And I was working for a particular company at one time and I was a store manager and, uh, we had, I had a team of 120 people that reported to me. It was a crazy amount of people. Um, we were doing great sales numbers, the turnover was low and everything was wonderful. And God, why is everything so great right now? Like, oh, it's all these wonderful people that work with, with me. And I'm so lucky. And I, you know, was, I, you know, I, you know, obviously I've made some good hiring decisions, but you know, we've, we've really gelled as a group and I thought, hmm, I think I'm good at this. Um, so as I went along in my career, the things I did after that, uh, retail management job, um, leaned a little bit more into the recruitment and training aspect. Um, and I was extremely lucky. You mentioned that we both work for SportCheck. Um, I did a role that wasn't actually a role at SportCheck, and I was um, uh, very lucky to get to pitch my idea for regional recruitment and training um, and having somebody that worked closely with the managers to ensure that they had the right people in their stores. Um, I got to pitch the idea and try out um, in Western Canada for a few months. Um, and it was successful and it grew into a bigger role and actually became uh, no longer a part of the operations team, but grew into a, a larger role in the human resources department for, for FGL sports. Um, and I don't work for them anymore, but, uh, but, but that has continued and um, there, those recruitment pieces have stayed in place. And I think it's been valuable to the stores, um, takes a bit of pressure off of store managers having that support. And, you know, if you're, um, if you're able to have a good connection with your client group, which would be your store managers or your head office people, um, then again, having shared values and an understanding of what that hiring manager is looking for, um, it's it's been very beneficial, I think, for everybody to have that extra team member and help to build those successful teams. And that's that's what I've done. Definitely. Well, yeah. I think some things that stand out with that 
is like the word connection it, it's something that comes up often um and just the whole concept that you talked about in having like building a good team like like it kind of comes down to whatever industry you're in if you're able to elevate the people that are around you in that industry like that's going to take a load off of you and it's not going to hold you back either no um, when it comes down to um just like experiences that you've had in which uh it maybe it seemed like a a tough a tougher way to go about things like you know how sometimes like well with everything people want to take like the shortcut to get to their desired outcome right um has there ever been a point in your career where it felt like it would be so much easier to take the shortcut to get the desired outcome but it almost seemed like you had to support the people around you in order for you to reach your goal like does that ring a bell for you at all <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, I don't know that it would be a shortcut that I would have taken, but um, when you, uh, you know, you report as a, as a recruitment specialist, let's say in, in one of the roles um, that I've had, uh, when you report to somebody, you're obviously accountable for certain results. Um, but the people that you support are really, uh, you know, in the field are the people that are really driving the business. So those are the people that you really need to work with and be accountable to, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that you don't, you're not accountable to, you know, whomever you work with or report to. <clears throat> but the priority has to be to get everybody in the field all of the tools that they need to be successful because that's why these support people or systems exist is because we have successful business out in the field. Um, and there, you know, there are people that forget that sometimes or they're uh, removed from, um, say, let's again, examples as store managers or other other people that work in the field and, uh, and generate the income for the company. Sometimes um, that disconnect happens. Um, so it would be a lot easier uh, for me just to say yes, uh, you know, keep pushing the corporate envelope and putting um, a little bit maybe more pressure on the managers, um, but that's not the right thing to do. So uh, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. It takes more time. I might get a few more bruises, uh, but in the end, it, it works out to be the best thing for everybody because the stores or the field uh, people, clients are more successful and that generates success for the whole business. Well, I mean, I can relate to that in the sense that sometimes you can write a program for a client Mm -hmm. And you could just be like, well, stick to the program, like do the program, what's wrong with you? But there's so many instances where sometimes you just have to rewrite it a little bit. Like sometimes you have to tweak it because like there, there isn't clear communication or there isn't a, it's just not something that's going to uh, have a high level of adherence. And if you want the outcome that you want, you need to, to make changes. And you talked about like the, the battle bruises and stuff um when it comes to like moments like that where it's like oh that was a tough week or oh that was a tough year right. like can you recap any like lessons that uh have come from like the times when when you've really had to like put yourself into your work and uh get a bit beat up yes um it's funny that you mentioned uh, when you when you're writing out a program for a client, Chris, because, you know, I've had a personal trainer in the past myself um, and, you know, I've had a couple and they've been great. Um, but there was one that really had an agenda of his own and this is what he felt would be beneficial to me. And then there was another gentleman that was very um, interested in what I wanted to do, and what made me feel good and what made me want to come back. So I, if I can translate that back to, um, to my own role, you know, when I'm uh, supporting a client group, I want those clients to come back for my help because I made them feel good. I got them the results they needed. They had the right experience. I don't want them to say, oh, it's just really tough to work with or 
She doesn't really get what I want to do. Um, and, you know, I'll bypass that person. So, um, sorry, going back to your question of sort of one of the, the lessons that comes out of that, I think, is, is at the end of the year or the day or the week that's tough, um, it's important to go back to the people that you support or the people that matter <laughs> the most, the, the clients that you want to keep happy and make sure you are still connected and you haven't lost something. And one of the ways I do that in my business um, as, an, as an individual um, sole proprietor is uh, through feedback surveys and asking for feedback. And I'm okay getting it. I'm okay being wrong. I'm okay finding ways to improve um, because it isn't personal, it's business. Um, and the end goal is that everybody's happy. So I think I, the best thing I could say to anybody who's having that sort of a tough time or, you know, the gears don't seem to be working together is reconnect with your client or, who, you know, whomever that is in your in your world and make sure that you're still on the same page and the goals haven't changed. And it's not like a shifting goal that, uh, you know, that someone's not aware of um, and just get back to the basics. Definitely. Well, I like the whole talk about feedback because I'm big on feedback. Like I, mm -hmm. I use feedback for everything that I do, like after a training session i ask for feedback after a podcast recording i ask for feedback and i think just being open to just like hearing that you might not be good at something isn't right. a bad thing because it's an opportunity to become good at something sure it's and it's not always negative sometimes it's just a different way to do something that might have a different result for a different group of people it's not right or wrong necessarily definitely so we're going to take a bit of a sidebar here. So this year being 2020, full of obstacles and pivots and challenges, um, did it impact the way you did business, let's say back in March when, when there was a lot of lockdowns in place and a lot of restrictions? Like what kind of, uh, what kind of changes happened in your life during that time? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so in my life... Um, you know, I think like everybody, there's such an uncertainty. So it was a stressful first couple of weeks. I think um, the reality set in when the U.S. borders closed, um, for me anyway, because I live quite close to the border and, you know, I pop down for, you know, inexpensive gas often <laughs> um, and just not having that freedom. Oh, this is, you know, this is really different. Um, so that's when it's starting to sink in for me. It was late March. Um, in terms of business, it did change how I do things because, like any contractor, I work with, uh, work with work with companies or individuals. We have a contract for a certain amount of time, um, you know, and there's a you know a clause in it if you need to terminate the contract so that everybody's protected. But of course, uh, you know, I work with small to medium-sized businesses for the most part, with a couple of exceptions. Um, a small to medium business didn't have the luxury of of offering that kind of um, an or upholding that kind of an agreement where there's time uh, for both parties to organize if the contract comes to an end. So um, for myself, I had to be a lot more understanding of small to medium sized businesses. I'm one as well. Um, that you know, they're, they're going to be paused, there's gonna be pauses in the contract. And that's not a usual way to do business, but it makes sense. And it's understandable. And it's, you know, a bit of compassion as well for, for people that have a business like mine. Um, so that was a change. Um, it reminded me how important it is to have a contingency plan in business. And thank goodness I did, uh, because I had a couple of months with no work, essentially. Um, but again, if you uh, if you're smart and you sort of plan ahead and you've got a bit of a contingency fund and a contingency plan, then it's less stressful. So those are some business ways in, in which things changed. Um, there are a number of people that were laid off or looking for work, um, not necessarily friends of mine, but people that were within my network, whether it be on LinkedIn or just um, past clients, perhaps their businesses were, were no longer viable. 
Um, so I actually volunteered my time quite a bit to help people um, and really help them network if they hadn't had to do it before and, and how to connect with new people and new opportunities. I did a lot of resumes for people. I did a lot of LinkedIn profiles for people. Um, and that was just, that was actually my gift back because I was very fortunate to be able to weather that storm and get my business back to where, where I had been previously. And in fact, even better, which knock on wood, I'm very lucky. Yeah. Um, but I think that during those stressful times, it, it's important to give back to people that aren't necessarily having the same maybe run of luck or did not have the same preparations possible for whatever reasons. Um, and I think when we do that, uh, it's how we learn and grow as business people and individuals, but it's, it's also just the right thing to do when everybody's coming together to try and try and make things better. Yeah, well, I mean, I completely agree. And I definitely saw like a lot of different similar situations where people, people who are all right, kind of needed to help people who are not as all right. And it's amazing how everybody's different skill set can complement the life of someone else. Like, you don't Mm. have to be at the top, you can be somewhere in the middle. And you like you talked about resumes, you talked about networking. And those are two things that I think are pretty important to just about anybody who listens to this when it comes to networking and let's talk about LinkedIn specifically because LinkedIn is kind of foreign to me I don't know LinkedIn that well um what what is the advice that you would impart on someone in um genuinely networking on LinkedIn in a way that is meaningful that um can be impactful and not just like uh blank like connect done walk away kind of thing yeah um, that's a yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of people that um, connect with me who I don't know, or we have one connection in common. Um, and in some cases, if it's complementary business, then then I would connect with that person. Um, but typically, I'm looking for somebody that knows someone I know and doesn't just know someone I know on paper, but it's someone I've worked with in the past, one of my primary connections. So if if you're an individual out there trying to connect with more business people or trying to grow your network on LinkedIn, which I highly advise for everybody, um, look at who you know and start there. And look at who they know and ask for introductions. So, for example, Chris, if you had a network of people that, um, you know, are looking for, uh, you know, if they're looking for, for a new job, you can say, hey, well, in my network, I have a recruitment professional and that would be me. And then you, as a kind friend, uh, would introduce that person, uh, you know, to me. And having an introduction like that through an actual known contact is a much better way to network than just blanket um, requests or blanket uh, links, I guess is the right way to put it for LinkedIn. Um, there's nothing wrong with linking with a lot of people, but there's it's less valuable to you. So if you are actually a professional looking for work or looking to expand your business or in, in whatever regard, target that. You know, if you want to, if you're looking for a job, where do you want to work? Figure that out first, um, and identify who you know who might know somebody in those companies. Uh, networking it has a strategy behind it rather than just a lot of you know connections. Yeah, well, I like how you outline that, and even just like in putting some more thought like deeper thought into like who are you connecting with and why and like like what is what is the purpose and not just to like increase the number of connections that you have but increase the the impact that you can have as someone who helped out someone else or someone who like moved the needle towards where you want to go um it's just something that i find interesting i think it's like a a missed opportunity for a lot of people in the fitness industry because we kind of like stay away from that that social network we're very busy on on instagram but we're not so busy on linkedin and so it's always something that i like to ask people about the next part of this question is going to be Mm -hmm. about resumes because i know so many people that have written new resumes this year 
and I want to hear from an expert. What is it that stands out on a resume? What what are the things that are like deal breakers? What are the things that make someone seem like more qualified? What are the things that you notice? Oh, that's a loaded question. Well, um, <laughs> there's a few things. Um, so just like if you are looking for a job, uh, you've updated your resume. I just want to go back to LinkedIn for a second. If you're going to be on LinkedIn, spend some time on your profile. Your profile shouldn't be a cut and paste of your resume, but it should definitely be like a digital version of what you've done um, and get those recommendations and, and really take some time on it before you start expanding that network. Um, people are much more likely to link with you if they're seeing a little bit more about you. Um, and that's very similar in a way to get noticed on a resume. So um, your resume is typically your content of your past experiences, some highlights maybe, uh, your education of course, some hobbies. Um, but pay attention because having one resume to apply for, uh, you know, a plethora of jobs is not a good strategy. Um, if you are applying for, uh, example, uh, if you're applying for a job in a sporting industry, there should be some kind of sport as one of your hobbies, at least on your resume. If you have no other experience, there should be a shout out to something that is relevant to that hiring manager. And better yet, have a relevant cover letter that goes with it. It doesn't have to be long. And in fact, it shouldn't be. Um, half a page is more than enough. Um, and here's the uh, secret sauce to that. If you're going to write a cover letter, take some time. Find out the name of the person or very good guess of the person that, uh, that will be doing the hiring or you know, somebody that's maybe a part of that team and address it personally. Uh, the language in a cover letter should reflect um, the job posting. So if you're responding to a posting for a job, the language should reflect what you've seen in that posting. So for example, if, um, you know, if there's certain buzzwords that are uh, unique to that company, use them. You're not applying to a posting and you shouldn't be because only 22 percent of vacancies get posted the rest are filled through networking um take some time on that company's website and learn about their mission statement learn about what their core values are and echo some of that language in your cover letter and it will stand out to the hiring manager um, i'll give you a great example i had over 200 applicants for one role in calgary recently um, so 200 ma management resumes to read is a lot um, the ones that stood out were people that had taken the time to research the company and I could pick out those words at a glance and every single person that took the time to either learn my name or something about the company specifically um, got into that, you know, the round of phone interviews. So it gets you past that initial pile of, of people to review and puts you into a different category. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so and it's easy. Oh, yeah. It's so easy. <laughs> Well, one of the things that stands out to me, because in the past I've like helped people with their resumes and it's something that I've taken an interest in. And I'm always like, don't do the same one resume to 20 different jobs, like figure exactly. out what exactly you're applying to. And yeah, learn about the company and speak the language of, of what they are about and make it seem as though you did your research. But uh, outside of that, like you being a sole proprietor, like a business owner, it's got to be hustle bustle. Like how, how do you define the boundaries that you need in order to have like sanity, like to not work so hard that you just get totally burnt out? Oh, that's a good question. I have been burnt out before. Um, well, work-life balance is important to me and it's something that's important. Um, I, I feel it's important for all the candidates I talk to and for any, any client that I take on, I want to ensure that that's something valuable for them, for their workforce as well. So for myself, it's a little harder as it is for everybody to self-monitor, but I have learned some hard lessons along the way. Um, and I actually use, I use my schedule and I use my calendar for personal things. So just as you asked me how I start out my day, 
that's scheduled in every day. I don't write out what, what I'm going to do exactly, but, you know, from whatever, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., this is, you know, personal time. And, you know, whether it's working out, whether it's an extra cup of coffee, uh, you know, sitting on the patio one day, just whatever that time is to regroup. Um, the other thing that I do is I knock off easy things off my plate. So even if I get an email after, you know, the standard, you know, 5 or 6 p.m. when I, it's most people's work day ends, if I get an email after that that's an easy answer, I knock it off right away and it's out of my inbox. Um, if I'm not busy, that's not a big deal. And it makes me feel better in the morning because I'm not starting out with like 10 small things to do. They're very easy to knock off. But that's my personal formula. Um, for some people, you know, planning out their day so that they do end and they do turn off their, their phone or their email or they don't check their email after hours. It's really important. So I would just say using your, your planner, whatever that looks like for you, for me it's my phone, um, to plan out your personal time and take breaks and uh, you know, ensure whatever technology is available to you, if it helps you stay healthy and balanced, use it. You use a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or whatever. My Apple Watch transformed my life in terms of reminding myself to get up and get active when I'm sitting at my desk all day. Um, whatever you have at your disposal, use it. There's so much technology out there to help us. Um, but it's so important because burning out, uh, even though you don't feel that you're burnt out really until you're way past the point of no return, you're probably operating at 60% effectiveness for a good portion of time prior to recognizing you're burnt out. Uh, so you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, well, I completely agree. It's kind of one of those things where a person doesn't know until they know. So it's better to plan to avoid it than sure. to... Uh, have to like figure out what to do when it's too late sort of thing yeah and definitely like having a schedule and not just a schedule for meetings and appointments but a schedule for the the time block that you need for your down downtime to ensure that it happens it's kind of like when people are looking to start their their fitness routine even if they're not hiring a trainer it's good to schedule your hour as to when you're doing it as though you did hire a trainer because otherwise if if the time's not there then you're probably not going to do it. Very true. Very true. So when it comes to like developing your craft, are there resources that you go to or is it like, do you have role models in your, in your industry or anything like that? Hmm. Well, the role models in my industry, are, they're not necessarily HR people. Um, there's a lot of innovators and great leaders uh, who have inspired me over my career. I've been very fortunate to work with uh, some of the same ones, um, you know, over the decades. Um, really somebody that understands um, the humanity of a workforce, uh, knows people's names, um, takes the time to really know the people that work for them. Uh, I find that inspiring because I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget the names of, of people that either I've, I've helped them get a job or that, you know, my clients. Um, and I mean, forget a name metaphorically. Like, I don't want to forget somebody. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I'm going to forget a name here. <laughs> um, so there's that. But uh, sorry, what was the other part of that question? Things that resources. So just resources, like people or resources that you kind of lean on when you need a bit of a spark of inspiration or it's just like you're stuck and it's just gray space and you can't think of what the next step is. Yeah. Um, sometimes I review past projects that have been very successful. Um, and sometimes it's not that I'm going to repeat exactly the same thing, but it reminds me of, oh, how I got there. Or, you know, this happened along the way and, you know, here's draft one through seven. How did that evolve? And it's actually really good to go back and read how those things evolved. Um, because it does remind you of, you know, some paths you don't need to take or some easier ways to get to your end goal. Um, so I do like to look at my own past challenges and um, 
um, successes. Um, I have those, that goes, you know, a couple of core leaders um, I've been very lucky to work with, as I said, so I, I lean on them at times. Um, I read, uh, I read quite a bit. Um, there's, you know, articles, um, Harvard Business um, Journal is not every article, but some of them are very relevant to my line of work. So I like to read them and stay up on what's happening, not just in Canada, but in the States as well, because we are so closely linked. Um, and just understand a little bit about the landscape of what's happening for people and HR. Um, and I find that inspiring. Um, there's some great things being done out there and some things I would never have thought of, um, which, you know, sometimes they work for me and sometimes they don't. But it's it's really important to understand there's different ways to get to the same goal for different people. Well, it's an important takeaway to highlight, like just the simple phrase of sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But like, I mean, if you don't do it or if you don't try it or if you don't learn it, you won't know, you won't have a clue, like you won't have that context that you need to apply to, to move forward. Um, you talked about books. Has there been mm -hmm. any like standout books that you'd recommend? Uh, okay, well, I'm a big reader. Um, so for me, they're not all business books. Um, some are biographies. Um, but I do, I really like books that are um, true stories about somebody overcoming adversity and whether it be their, uh, how they grew up or um, whatever that may be. There's uh, actually a lady uh, who's an author. I want to say her name is um, oh, what's it? Sia Pearson. Uh, don't quote me on that, but um, her book, North of Normal and Nearly Normal, um, how she grew up and the, the things she learned about herself and where she's ended up in her life, to me, I find that incredible. Um, that somebody can come from the beginnings she came from, the, overcome the challenges she had, which is more than most people go through, more than anyone goes through in a lifetime, typically, and become the person she's become and self-aware and kind and still be able to main that, maintain that humanity and care for others is incredible to me. So um, that's just one example, but there are many books like that, um, that I find those to be a very easy read as somebody overcoming adversity and prospering. Um, and I don't mean prospering financially, I mean prospering as a person and being a good member of society and giving back. Yeah, well, I mean, I can relate to that. That's a big part of what this podcast is about is like seeking out people's life experiences to inspire others to experience wealth in the sense of like, feeling better about life and feeling fulfilled and feeling happy. Um, if you had a bad day in your week, what is one thing that you could do to turn that day around? Oh, that's for me, that's easy just to walk on the beach. Um, and I, I, you know, see endorphins, of course, that always helps. Um, but it's also just the recognition that every day, every day ends and there's always a new start. Um, things will keep happening. Uh, the ocean is a great reminder that nothing stops. So, Everything will continue. Nothing is the end of the world. Things will keep moving. Uh, whatever happened today doesn't mean that every day is going to be like this. It will get better. It will move on, and everything will change. So that, for me, that's a good reminder, and that's my that's my go-to place for good and and difficult days as well. Definitely. Well, I mean, uh, it's important to remember, and like people don't need to have oceans. They can have like the sunrise, the sunset. They yeah. can have the moon. It's so yeah. many different things we can reference that remind us that like. A bad day is just one fraction of what life is mm -hmm. and a bad year is just one fraction again yep. <laughs> so we can move on we can prevail we can get stronger we can have those comeback stories that people write books about um are you someone that sets a lot of goals like for your future years some um, I try not to lock myself in too much because life changes and, and my personal experience in life 
is it has changed quickly and in ways I would never have imagined. So to lock myself in feels a little bit constraining to me. I kind of like to see what, what's ahead and where things are going and be adaptable and be open to new, new change, or change or to new adventures or new opportunities. However, I have some basic goals. Um, you know, so for me, uh, you know, I wanted to ha have my own business and I wanted to be able to, you know, to a degree, pick and choose clients um, who I felt uh, reflected my own values to make that a really a, a win for both of us. Right? They're definitely a win for the client and certainly easier for me. Um, so I've achieved that and that's something I want to continue to do. Um, you know, I have some other, you know, personal goals that I make in my life, um, you know, as far as uh, charitable things that I do. Animal welfare is really important to me, so, you know, I like to make sure I do something for the animals every year. And I do those kinds of goals. Um, and in terms of uh, reading, I think I want to ensure that I keep up with reading. Even though this year was challenging, I felt it was difficult to focus sometimes. I think a lot of people felt that way in 2020. Um, so there's some things that I, I make constant. So reading, you know, doing something charitable that makes me feel good. Um, ensuring physical health, making sure my physical health is looked after, and ensuring that I am staying true to my business model. Um, they're consistent goals, and I revisit those a few times a year just to make sure I'm on track. I have short-term goals like everybody else, like, you know, I don't know, eat more spirit, but whatever it may be, drink less coffee. Um, but I don't lock myself into um, really uh, concrete plans very often. Um, it doesn't work for everybody, but it's worked well for me, so. Mm -hmm. Well, I can totally understand that it seems life is life has its ways of just like throwing you a curveball, making you change trajectories. Like in in my fitness career as a trainer, I've worked out of three different gyms, and I would have never like expected. Oh yeah, three different gyms in the span of two years, of course. But that's <laughs> just what life does, and yeah. you you figure out how to move forward. Um, but to kind of like add a layer onto that question, something mm -hmm. that I've found valuable is in like tracking previous results to kind of make sure or ensure that you are making progress towards what could be a very flexible goal, but mm -hmm. is a goal nonetheless. Do you find that in your business that you um, have like a tracking system or some routines towards that or anything that kind of helps you moving in a progressive direction? I do. So, um, you know, obviously as a business owner, finances are a big piece of that. That's part of the reason people want to be self-employed is, you know, a little bit of flexibility, but also the financial aspect of it. So I definitely have financial goals every year and I review the work that I've done to date. I review, you know, where the costs are. I, I review how I'm doing business and how am I being profitable, but also competitive in the market. So that's something I do quite regularly. Um, and I'm reviewing successes or reviewing clients maybe that, you know, maybe it wasn't a great match. Um, the work was done, everything's positive, but maybe I know that this isn't something I'm, I, an industry I want to work in again, just because it's, it's not fulfilling for me. And why work for yourself if you're not going to be fulfilled? Um, so those are some of the things that I revisit and review uh, annually, as well as, of course, the financial milestones to ensure that I'm profitable and on track for all of those you know, exciting things like retirement one day. Um, but that's important, right? It's, those are important things to think about. Um, and then as far as uh, health, which is, you know, another priority for me is, um, you know, I review, I review stats of, uh, of you know, fitness and what I'm doing and, you know, where I've had success, where I've had difficult days and, and review what has brought me to those points. So, you know, for example, if I'm looking at, you know, the month of July, of course, my outdoor activities were higher. It's beautiful outside. Um, but, you know, what, what can I do that would make, um, you know, would, would mirror that success at different times of the year or different times of, you know, my life or whatever it might be? And you can use that in business as well. Where could I mirror that success you know, going forward or learn from the things that didn't work? 
Yeah, I like. Ask your question. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, there, there's no such thing as an improper answer on this show. It's always going to be the right answer. Um, oh, I just talked too much, Chris. <laughs> no, you're good. You talked about mirroring, and it kind of like sparked an idea in my mind, just like a thought that I had that kind of like um, relates to a lot of things that I've seen both in training, in life, in business, and it's just like being able to transfer a success in one area that's totally unrelated and then apply it to an area that's struggling. Um, and I know that I've found that when my training, like my own personal training in the gym, like my workouts are going really well in the gym, I tend to get like better ideas or almost more confidence in like my applications of business. And then mm -hmm. on the flip side, like if my podcast is doing really well, if it's charting in a country or something like that, then that can translate over to maybe I feel more motivated to work out. Um, with with your career, have you ever had an instance that kind of caught you off guard where you had a win in one area and it just came at a good time and you were able to like mirror that over to another area that needed a bit more oomph? Or is that something that doesn't really spark anything for you? No, um, that's a good question actually. Uh, yeah, I would say actually I had I had a good um, a good business win. I got a great client uh, at the end of July this year, and you know it had been tough tough pandemic times for a couple months. So I was really pleased to to be able to work with this client, um, and it just kind of it changed my whole mindset. I'm a, I'm pretty positive for the most part, but I, I think I had more stress and anxiety over what was happening in the world than I probably was allowing myself to realize. And I think as soon as that happened, I was first of all I was really happy because I really loved the client and it was you know lots of fun and. I was really pleased to, to get them um, and to get to work with them. Um, and then I just found myself more motivated everywhere. So, you know, I talk about you know, working out or, you know, just any kind of physical activity. While I hadn't stopped doing it, I just did it with a little bit more um, excitement, I guess, a little more spring in my step. Um, and then that, it's sort of a, a cycle because you know, when, I'm, when I'm out doing something physical or I'm at the gym doing something physical, um, I find it really clears my mind and my best ideas come to me when I'm, when I'm running or walking or kayaking or elliptical or whatever it might be. Uh, I'm not focused on any one thing, but some really great creative ideas come to me at that point. Um, and that seemed to, it seemed to feed off each other. So the, the win of getting to work with this wonderful client, um, put a little more spring in my step personally, which made me a better person for the client. And it just kind of worked together like that. Um, so that, that's sort of the most recent example I can think of, and it was a big adjustment. So end, end of July, I would say that was a really nice, um, a nice reminder that the year wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's also a good, a good highlight to have in a podcast and also something that can kind of be tied to that whole burnout thing. Like something that mm -hmm. I've thought about a lot as of late is like, we only have so much energy. We only have so much capacity for certain things. Right. And so we almost have to ensure that one piece of the pie is that thing that like lifts us up and yeah. it might mean that like less is more kind of concept like where mm -hmm. maybe we're not maybe we haven't taken on as much work and so we're not making as much money but the work that we've taken on all makes us feel better because all it takes is like one thing that feels like crap to make everything feel like crap That's and true. so it's just I guess it's just an important thing to highlight. Like there's been so many opportunities when like maybe I could be busier with training, but it was just not something that was like on brand with, with what I wanted to do or the direction I wanted to go or the style that I had because like within fitness, there's so many styles. Like 
so many ways that a person could be active. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that for anybody listening, they, they remind themselves that it's it's more important to find things that like align with your values and take mm-hmm. it slow than it is to like grab onto everything out there that offers you any kind of incentive to do it because you're not going to be able to do it all. You can no. only pick a few no. things. Yeah, I think I, you're right. I try new things so that you figure out what brings you joy um, and then do those things. <laughs> if they're not working for you anymore, don't be afraid to try something new and see what else brings you joy. It's um, it's easy for me to say, and I know there's a lot of platitudes about all this kind of thing, and I, I'm not somebody who likes those kind of things, but um, being open to change and trying new things as we get older is, is a, first of all, it's a way to stay younger. Um, it's a way to stay relevant, and it's a way to stay happier in my opinion. Definitely. Um, when you first took the step to being self-employed, was there any self-doubt? Was there fear? Was there anything that like almost made you think, should I do this? Uh, yes, all of those things. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, I left a, a great company and a job that I, I liked. It just wasn't really going anywhere. It wasn't really forwarding my career. Um, and, you know, I mean, really, the only person that is in charge of um, challenging you and you know, and making your career what you want is you. It's not your employer. It's not your manager. It's nobody's responsibility but your own. So, you know, I had to make that decision. And um, it was really scary because I did leave a job that I really liked. I was just treading water, though. It just wasn't anything challenging. Um, and, of course, oh, what, what does it work? Well, am I going to pay my bills? Blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I have enough common sense and faith in myself. You know, if, it, if it didn't work out, I am employable. I planned for it. Um, you know, I, I, I did some, um, you know, I did my networking and, and had some, you know, part-time gigs on my own for my own company while I was still employed. So I, I went about it the smart way. It was still scary to make that leap. Um, but, you know, I, it's important, I think, to remind yourself of times in your life where you've made a big step that could have gone either way and it's worked out for you. And I'm very lucky um, in my life. I've had some challenges early on. Uh, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been on my own since I was about 16. Um, you know, I didn't anticipate that happening, and it was really hard and really scary, but everything is okay. And, you know, and I did it. So no matter what I'm going to do now, nothing will be as hard as X, right? So everybody's got that thing in their life. No matter how scary and different this thing is, I've already gotten through blank. Nothing could be harder than that. It's important to remind yourself of the wins you've had. Definitely. Well, I mean, that's a tool that I use all the time. Like any time that I'm like up against a challenge where I'm not really certain of what the outcome will be, I'm like, well, I've been through worse. We got this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What's the worst thing that can happen? If you can reconcile yourself with that worst case scenario as being something you can live with, then do it. Yeah, completely agree. And I think it's sort of when you said there was like really nothing wrong with the role that you're in, but you just felt like you needed more that I felt that I was like, that's me every single time. It's like half the time it's, it's, there's nothing broken necessarily. It's just like, I have a purpose. That's a greater calling than whatever I am aware of here. And I need to figure out what that is and like define it on my own terms or else I'm going to feel empty. And so I'm hoping that people that, feel a bit of emptiness start to think oh oh maybe i should get out there and and take a few risks healthy risks like you know stockpile some some backup cash but like life is short you only get one chance so take a few chances now and then i would rather regret things i do than things i don't do 
Um, and I don't, knock on wood, I don't have that many regrets in my life or any real big ones. Uh, maybe a few little ones, but nothing, nothing major. I'm glad for all the risks I've taken. Um, and uh, I think that part of that is um, being able to see the gray. Not everything's black and white. If you get caught up in thinking a certain way and you're just stuck in that way, it's just you, you're going to be stuck as a person. So embrace that gray and see where it leads you and have your values, obviously, and, and be true to yourself. But, um, you know, don't hurt other people. Um, but it's OK that things are great. It's OK that you don't know what's happening all the time. And it's OK to take those chances. Uh, those are the best rewards. Uh, nothing great happens because you stay status quo all the time. Definitely. So every episode I have my guest give my audience a challenge of the day. And so I'm going to ramble a little bit as you think to kind of buy you some time. But essentially, the, the challenge of the day is something unique to you. And you don't have to overthink it. It doesn't have to be special or fancy, but something that you genuinely think that if the guest adopts, that they will actually see things differently or maybe encounter a new possibility they never would have thought of. Just something unique to you that if they tried it, you're pretty sure it would be impactful. So whenever you're ready, you you're just going to... I already know what it is. Excellent. Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> um, and I, some people are going to hate this because it's an overused word of gratitude. So I'm not even going to use that word. But when you wake up in the morning, think of three things in your life that are fantastic, that you really like. Even if it's something as simple as like, hey, I had a great cup of coffee waiting for me when I get up this morning, or I like my dog, uh, whatever it might be. Think of three things in your life that are really, really great. And then when you go to bed at night, think of five things that happened that day that made you smile. They can be simple. It could be you laughed at an old episode of The Office. Um, it could be that you went for a walk. It could be that you tried on something that, you know, looks great on you now that you didn't like last week. Or whatever it might be. It could be something so silly. But if you can do that rule of three and five every day, and if you can do it every day for three weeks, which in my opinion, that's sort of how you create a habit is that three-week mark, um, it will change your outlook on your day. Uh, because you're starting the day with positives and you're ending the day with positives no matter what happened to you in that day. I can completely confirm this is absolutely true. Like this is, <laughs> well, it's one of the most underutilized, simple things that people can do to get through really tough times yeah. is to, to focus on the good so that that is front of mind. And when you have good things on your mind, you're most likely to come up with or attract more good things. Yeah. Like, a person who feels ugly and dark and cloudy on the inside is going to have a hard time finding the bright lights of the world. When Self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like when, when I get up, especially as of late, I've just been posting a picture of my coffee because I, I realized like in 2020, one thing that's always been there for me is coffee. Oh, and bravo. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just like the, the difference that it makes and the common ground that everybody has because you bring out this like this community of people that all love coffee and they're like, I love coffee too. And I'm like, yes, Maybe. let's let's love coffee together. Maybe it will make my day. <laughs> and I think I think when we're talking about gratitude or, you know, again, overused word, but I mean, it's also really important to remember that we've won life's lottery. First of all, they being born in North America or living in North America, look around the world for the most part, um, and Canada. We are very lucky to live here. If, if you can come up with nothing else and you're three and five every day, you live in Canada. And no matter how difficult your life is or what you know trials and tribulations are happening, we all have them. 
there's a lot more for you here than 90% of the rest of the world. Um, and it's important to remember that as well. Definitely. I mean, a lot of people forget what our backyard is and it doesn't matter which province you're in. There's a lot of wide open spaces that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. Um, another thing that I'll ask you before we wrap this up is this is another question that I ask all of my guests and it's if you could give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Get out of your own way. Too often we put obstacles ahead for ourselves. Like, oh, what if this happens? Or, oh, this, this could happen. And this would be awful if this happened. Stop living in if. Take a chance. Uh, be smart. But take chances. Try something new. Don't get caught in that way of thinking where you are your own worst enemy. Um, it's so true. And I find myself doing it all the time. And fear is the true enemy of your happiness. Um, we're all afraid of something and I'm not suggesting that that's an unhealthy thing or that you're bad if you have fears, I have fears. Um, but don't let it get in the way of living your life the way you want to live it. You're the only person that you have to please. So totally don't be afraid agree. To yeah. that, was, that was awesome. And with that, I would like to thank you for joining me on the show. So thanks so much for joining me, Donna. Thanks for having me. I, you know, I was going to say, Chris, it has been a long time that we have, uh, we've known each other. Um, and I, as you know, for my job, when uh, we worked together, I traveled all over Canada. Um, and, you know, my favorite pro the provinces I spent the most time in other than home, BC for me, is Alberta and Saskatchewan. So my two favorite provinces in the West, obviously. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you because you're one of the reasons I always enjoy my trips to Alberta. Thank you. <laughs>